1: Welcome back to all new, all different, Uncanny X's for Podcasts, where we examine the Uncanny
0: comic book franchise as it begins its multi-title 80s expansion. I'm your host Jonah. I'm Mikey. And I'm Nico, and we are here to talk about some Alpha Flight. And when I say some Alpha Flight, I mean some Alpha Flight. I don't mean like Alpha Flight. I wish we were talking about Alpha Flight. I love Alpha Flight. I really do. But today, I'm pretty sure we are talking about just Sasquatch, kind of? A little bit? But anyway, we're on our long journey to Alpha Flight getting its own title, and it has been so exciting. Mikey, it's been way too long since we've had you on the show. How you been since? How's getting your podcast going? It's been
2: going great. We've been up for about a month now. Episode four just went up. We talked about phase two of the MCU. It's been going great and hoping to launch two more shows.
0: Well, I just fucking love that shit. Super good to hear. Now, Jonah. Oh, Jonah, you've been through so much since we last looked at Alpha Flight. We've seen the X-Men come and go and go into space and die and come back. And there's a bunch of little kids running around and Dazzler got really bad. This is your first sojourn back to the wondrous wonderland that is our great neighbors of the north, right?
1: Yes, it is. Is funny enough, or maybe not that funny, there really isn't any mention of any of the members of Alpha Flight in modern day the Dawn of X run, which is weird considering we've got the realization that two of the Alpha Flight members are mutants and we haven't seen them at all. That being said, Alpha Flight is still one of the teams I know very little about. I know next to nothing and that's okay, except for when it's blatantly obvious who they're trying to promote for whatever reasons. I have my own theory. I just found this a little too much, as Nico said, the Sasquatch show starring some other characters sometimes.
0: And you know what? I actually think the only mention of Northstar and Aurora in all of the Dawn of X has been they did a quick flyover to the other island briefly after the events of X-Force number one prior to X-Men number two. I think that's something Scott says to Rachel and Nate. It's really weird because, you know, when I think about Alpha Flight, I really do think of them as kind of like the X-Men's weird magical cousins. And oh man, so much magic. Mikey, we told you that you were going to be reading about music and then uh, I'm pretty sure you read about some dark gods and some wizards. So I thought this was more of like the Avengers
2: cousins, not the X-Men. Other than them being mutants and Weapon X with Wolverine, I don't really get a tie with anything with the X-Men. I feel like these are the Avengers light or Canadian Avengers. And for the record, I actually kind of love the Sasquatch show.
0: I love Sasquatch. He's one of my three favorites in all of Alpha Flight. However, my favorite is the opposite of Sasquatch. My favorite's Puck. Um,
1: I want to do a survey. How many young boys came through a weird situation? sexual awakening watching sasquatch consistently take off all his clothes and then transform into a big furry beast i would just want to know how many
0: and if you're a dude who's really into ladies you got snowbird who's like i'm an owl i'm a giant bear i'm a lady call call you girl My- she's not in this <laughs> she's not in this so mikey one of the things i think is so interesting is early on in our discussions of alpha flight one of the things you said right off the bat was that sasquatch is clearly like a furry hulk he's kind of like the middle ground between hulk and beast. And it's really hard to talk about this episode without talking about all of the attention that should be put on Sasquatch. Dr. Walter Lankowski is an enormous element of this narrative going forward. It had to be amazing to see your guess that Sasquatch and Hulk were going to be paired up come due, not just immediately, but then be a focus point going forward. I really like the
2: rivalry. I think that they both can go toe to toe. I think one's a big green monster, one's a big orange furry monster. When he's Sasquatch, he's more, I guess, retains his intelligence and is thinking things through while Hulk is still have that animalistic type instinct. It's a good fight scene and I would love to see it in a movie on the big screen. Sasquatch played by John Cena who could take the place of Hulk in Avengers.
1: Who would we have play the characters of Alpha Flight in the live action Marvel movie that should be happening but I don't think
0: is? Okay, that's pretty tough because I struggle to find actors and actresses who I think represent these characters well because there's such a dearth of successful native actors to put in the roles of shaman or talent. There's just not enough high profile actors. They'd have to pull someone up, and I want to let them pull up whoever they want. Ooh, Stanley Tucci as Puck! Joe Pesci as Puck. Joe Pesci as Heather. I don't have another one to keep this bit going. Joe Piscopo as Heather. Episcopalians as Heather. So now that we've decided that all of Alpha Flight is Episcopalian, today we're going to be taking a look at the Incredible Hulk Annual number 8, Marvel 2 1, 83 and 84, as well as a personal favorite of mine, Machine Man, in a personal least favorite of mine, his own title, Machine Man number 18. For those of you unfamiliar, Machine Man X-51 is actually a result of the temporary license Marvel had with 2001 A Space Odyssey. He was an original character created for the ongoing continuation of the film in comic book format. The character was so successful, he was later interpolated into the Marvel Universe proper. His best-known appearances are probably Earth X by Jim Kruger and Alex Ross, as well as Next Wave by Warren Ellis. And, I mean, essentially, that was the book that turned Stuart Eminen into a household name if comic book artists can be household names, I guess. But so Mikey, let me ask you, what were your expectations coming into this? And then how was that confronted by Alpha Flight being dispatched to beat up other superheroes?
2: So normally in media and pop culture, you get the US government being the big bad guys to go do things that are unethical or I don't know, just bad. And the Canadian, Canadian government's usually very is portrayed as very passive, pacifist, not America light, but the nice version. So going in and seeing Canadian, government saying hey go take care of this problem it's like i wouldn't i didn't expect that from them i expected that from the u.s government especially when this was written it was you know time of reagan so like reagan smash go get them and <laughs> a reagan smash but not the canadian government. i feel like you know alpha flight would have found the problem on their own and went after it but did not expect to see that one coming
0: and i found that it almost felt like they were trying to find a situation the hulk's stuff with that lady was so you know you were nice you treat hulk good i will carry you home what don't do that don't pick ladies up like that it was this weird beauty and the beast parallel
1: they were trying to make but the hulk isn't a sympathetic quote unquote antagonist that later turns out to be the love interest very weird and but bruce banner also contemplating like oh military wife hmm husband's not home it was very weird. Very, very, very. Ew, Bruce! Hulk cockled army man! Good luck following that up. You know, the porn producers who listen to us are writing that down. The Incockable Hulk. You
2: should, you should copyright that. Good, get on
1: Alright, well, I know what
0: our new Project is. He's gonna gamma radiate that down so hulk has some real problems here because sasquatch is smart that's actually a humongous difference that the hulk rarely faces the hulk doesn't fight a lot of super brilliant super strong people so the fact that sasquatch ultimately realized he couldn't take down the hulk the hulk is literally limitlessly strong kind of propelled the story forward in a really interesting way it was an interesting comparison
1: for dr Luinda no that's joey lankowski. lankowski almost said joey's last name hi joey <laughs> It was very interesting for him to say that his persona as the Sasquatch was intentional. His research with gamma radiation, he was made that way. So he was able to retain a lot of his personality traits when he's a human. It made for an interesting fight, but then I felt like it didn't go where it could have gone. It went in a very safe direction. And that's okay. I don't need every book to be taking risks, but it would have been really nice to have it go in a much. Different direction than just Sasquatch saves the day, kind of. Hulk just gets mad and jumps off and leaves after you know he likes to claim areas for as his own.
2: What would you have him do? Just beat the shit out of him?
0: Well, I mean, there has to be some sort of other resolution. We're two hundred something issues into the Hulk, and if every arc of the Hulk continues to end this same way, Hulk runs away. I just feel like this has been the M.O. of almost every Hulk story we've read on this show, whether it was in the pages of Marvel Team Up or random Hulk annuals. Like this is actually, I think, our second Hulk. (laughs) Or Marvel fanfare. Yeah. Wherever we found the Hulk, he's sort of been like, not a good day. I'm going to go. And that's kind of been the resolution of every Hulk story. There's just not much happening here other than Sasquatch proves he's a pretty phenomenal warrior.
2: Well, isn't Hulk OP in the sense like Superman's OP. So you have to figure out a way to dumb down the character. Otherwise, couldn't he just literally destroy everyone and just win and everybody'd be dead and then we would have nothing. So making him run away, it's like wrestling. You can't always have a finish end with a pinfall sometimes you have to have a count out a run in this and that to really further drive the story again you don't have to do it all the time but the way how hulk is so op in mcu like superman is op in dc if you have him just you know he could just kill people and then yeah we can bring him back to life every time but then that would lose his luster too like it has so many times over
0: well i actually gotta on that topic i really need to recommend that everybody check out the immortal hulk coming out of marvel right now this is some of the best work on the character of all time it is well into super disturbing body horror so if you're somebody for whom body horror is a touchy subject you'll probably want to keep this book out of your hands but if you guys get a chance definitely either use marvel unlimited your local comic shop or fuck even a library get your hands on the immortal hulk if you're somebody who's interested in seeing this paradigm of storytelling pushed into a new direction that's definitely somewhere you're going to want to check out however speaking of weird paradigms and storytelling that machine man issue sucked yes
1: my biggest complaint is it's not that i didn't enjoy the prominent futurization of Sasquatch but if you made a point to say hey Aurora and Northstar are going to be on this why did you show them only in this fight way towards the end you know I would have liked to try to see them a little more granted I hate Northstar with all my heart at this point Aurora is a sexy lamppost that can also fly at this point so she's really nothing and I would have appreciated you know a little more story a little more trying to get me to like these characters
2: yeah for me they just weren't doing it I did not enjoy the machine man issues I would love to see the sales on those because they kept it going for a little bit so it had to have done something but aurora north star yeah not feeling it right now i think for me it's sasquatch and well i wish guardian would just stop changing his name all the time but sasquatch and guardian and then when we get the puck i hated him at first but oh man after the next episode he's fantastic
0: so machine man is an interesting character with a varied history in the marvel universe he is a go-to for a lot of like big name creators this book did not do very well and i I think one of the funniest things is the cover of the final issue 19 says it's the complete your collection collectors special edition because it's the final issue so they're making a joke they're saying it's the complete your collection edition so it's kind of funny and tongue-in-cheek honestly machine man is just one of those filler titles i don't think there's enough really in the book to even talk about it felt like one of those stories where alpha flight were forced to appear but it was really about machine man's narrative i feel like we found that with a number of x-men guest appearances early on, whether it was their inexplicable appearance in Iron Fist, where Storm gets smashed in the face with a pie, or it was a number of those Marvel team-ups where the X-Men just sort of stood a lot. There's just a lot of stories where these people just kind of show up and they're just heroes in the background! The Machine Man story displayed a real lack of understanding of who these characters are.
1: I guess this is my question either one of you can answer. At this point, did the members of Alpha Flight have more established personalities? Was there enough for these writers to go off of to write these characters well or were they in this weird state where they were created and they're there but nobody really knew what they wanted to do with them yet so they really didn't have discernible personalities yet so it was harder for them to be written outside of just,
0: hi! You know, we're talking about an era where the focus was on having so much dialogue yet somehow the dialogue didn't really explain who the characters were. Mikey, if I were you, I wouldn't know much about these characters except I would know a lot about Mac from Uncanny. I would have a strong understanding of Shaman from the Marvel 2-in-1s and the Uncanny stories and maybe Snowbird. But outside of Sasquatch, Mac, Snowbird, and Shaman, the other like 18 members of Alpha Flight have no discernible personality.
2: It's a crime Snowbird's not here. I had a hard time really relating and connecting with the characters. I kind of just read the issues so far for the episode. I haven't not read much of Uncanny X-Men just in general. So when these characters make guest appearances in other comics, I don't really connect with them. But Sasquatch, I feel like, is the one so far that had the most character development. Definitely want to see them going forward. I feel like, though, they put them in here because they're not even the B-Squad, they're the C-Squad. So, like, we can put these characters in here and not disrupt sales or anything that's going on in the other books that we're doing. So, here's a little bone, here's something different, go buy this, and let's see what happens.
0: And I really get that. Jonah, I know you were kind of disappointed at the cast that we got, the inclusion of North Star, who you currently seem to think nothing of, and the exclusion of Snowbird, who you want to go shopping with because she's your new Canadian BFF.
1: Well, that's weird stereotype that I didn't think I would want to do, but sure, let me go shopping with Snowbird
0: and come back. Well, and because she represents so much of the magic of Alpha Flight, whether it's shaman, talisman, Snowbird, so many of these characters have like mystical origins and man, this whole thing was about magic.
1: And the last time that I saw Snowbird, it was a really interesting story that I wish was able to be told and expanded upon further where using her powers, she then started to struggle with her own quote unquote humanity of not falling victim to the animalistic instincts of who what she was transformed into. And I would have loved to see more of that. Granted, there really isn't much room for that in another character's title. But if they weren't an established team yet, it has to be there somewhere. My personal theory of why we get so much Sasquatch, and I'm not really complaining that much, is I think Sas- Sasquatch is one of the easiest toys to make for Torium Acres to promote. He's just a orange furry Hulk. Not that I expect any action figure to be furry. But it's really easy to market and mass produce and have kids be excited about it because it's just the Sasquatch. It's just he's big and strong. It's really easy for an imagination to have an action figure be big and strong as opposed to changing characters, flying, blah, 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 or shooting lasers and beams and all these different things.
0: I have a number of Jean Grey action figures that have like soft hair and I'm now imagining like that horrible plastic hair, but like an entire Sasquatch action figure made of it. It just doesn't feel right.
2: I know this is years later, but I do have the Marvel Legends Sasquatch, and I do have the Marvel Legends Hulk, and they are on my, my shelf next to each other, just going at it. The
0: Build-A-Figures?
2: Yep, the Build-A-Figure.
0: Dude, those Build-A-Figures are gorgeous, that Sasquatch. There's also a matching Wendigo. Really? Yeah, there's a Build-A-Figure Wendigo that goes with them. That's the current one right now. Well, I know what Nico's getting me for Christmas. <laughs> Absolutely. Man, I love that you love these Build-A-Figures too. I just picked up a bunch of the Marvel Legends this wave, whether it was the Cannonball figure, the Blink figure, the Nightcrawler figure for JoJo. We talked about a bunch of those Marvel Legends in a recent episode. It's been a lot of fun collecting them and having a toyetic super toy guy like Mikey on the show just kind of lends a little bit more credence to it.
2: Some of the older ones are just a lot harder to find. So if you do find them, I go to flea markets just to go look for them. And it's hard to build them all now that they're 15 years old at this point.
0: I actually had a really terrible process trying to find my dupe figure. Dupe is a character from X-Force Ecstatics, one of my all-time favorites, and before Marvel did build the figures, the Marvel Legend figures came with minifigs as well, and the Wave 5 Deadpool of the original line came with a dupe figure, and he's one of the more expensive Deadpools to get now, so when I couldn't find my dupe figure, I was devastated, but Kevo found it in a box in the shed, so I was really relieved because tracking down some of these Marvel Legends figures can be costly and time-consuming. It's not always about the expense sometimes it's just about the process same with these old
2: alpha flight figures from back in the day you found me uh the guardian yeah so he's probably hanging up on my shelf too but i would like to get them all now and especially a shaman one i don't know if they've made one i hope they did because i think that character deserves a book in and of himself
0: well i love shaman super duper love making sure that shaman gets representation because he's a super fucking great character and i can't wait for talisman i know getting a little ahead of myself but i love talisman
1: shaman is another character i would love to know more about i love that idea of of practicing scientific medicine and natural herbalism medicine slash mysticism i love that that he found the balance for himself of the two worlds and is able to celebrate his heritage while also helping people in a way that he finds satisfactory with medicine he should have i think gotten much more prominently figured which for good for us he's pretty prominently featured
0: in the marvel two-in-ones and let's jump into those marvel two-in-ones poor wonderful bill foster i just it's God, my poor Bill Foster. He's always injured or hurt in the stuff we cover, like when we covered him in Champions. This is not our first trip to doing two Marvel 2-in-1s in in a single episode. We covered two of them for the Champions as well, one featuring Angel, one featuring Iceman. Mikey, did you know that Marvel 2-in-1 was an alternate choice to Marvel team-up from back in the day?
2: No, I did not know that.
0: And did you know it featured Thing?
2: No, I also was not aware of
0: that. Did you know Thing used to be, like, Deadpool popular? I could see that. Yeah, until they came up with, you know, no, guns thing was pretty popular <laughs> i think i like the
2: thing because he represents to me that blue collar he's the guy who would be at the local dive bar right after a hard day working like the most brutal shift he doesn't speak he's not he's not a dumb guy by any means he's very street smart he speaks with that level of and that vocabulary of somebody who's just you know like your everyday like common man and then to see him with sasquatch which is different than with the Hulk. It's you get this real intellectual speaking Orange Ferryman versus the common everyday vernacular of somebody
0: from Brooklyn, New York, Rockman. And you're not saying anything that any Thing fan would be hurt by. Thing fans love that he's always like, hey, stretch, <laughs> Like that's his character. He's the Joe Everyman and he loves being that guy. That's who the Thing is. He is your local buddy. The Thing is somebody you could hang out with and that's what they go for with him. He is this regular guy surrounded by hyper intellectuals and monsters and gods, and all he wants to do is have a good day.
1: <laughs> he also has one of the best catchphrases of any superhero.
0: <clears throat> it's clobbering time. I love the gentleness you said it with. It is clobbering time. That's
1: how I imagine he says it sometimes.
2: <laughs> I think the thing lately has not gotten enough love and attention that he should, and I think I could definitely see the popularity of the character. I just think like the everyday man aspect of him is fantastic, and he's not like what other characters are. He's not rich. He's not not super intelligent. He doesn't have any like shoot laser beams from his eyes, frost breath. He doesn't drive a cool car. Doesn't have a thing mobile. He's the guy who like somebody's giving you a problem in the neighborhood. You went to him, and he clobbered him.
0: And now I desperately need a thing dog, and he could have its slobbering time. That's fantastic. I've it's fantastic five is what it is. I've never needed anything so bad as a thing dog, a little thing corgi, and he's all stony, and it's slobbering time. He should have been a bulldog, but he accidentally got a little thing corgi. (laughs)
1: He's cute and he fits in a purse. But he also has, you know, a thief cousin who says, it's robbering time. And one of them lives in DC and he works in the political world and it's lobbering time. He also does have really cool cousin. He works in the door industry. It's knobbering
0: time. (laughs) And his cousin got that job because of their other cousin who's in the occupational placement industry. And he in fact loves to say it's jobbering time.
2: That would be a really good pro wrestler because a jobber in pro wrestling is somebody who just loses all the time.
0: So clearly I am now going to become a pro wrestler. This is absolutely going to happen. What's a pro wrestler? Where, um, uh, w what What's the letter? WWE. E. Okay. Or SmackDown Raw.
2: A-W-R-O-H.
0: Am I the only person okay. on this network who didn't grow up with wrestling? Yes. Yes. Because, like, I know Chris Podcast loves wrestling. I think Joey likes wrestling. I know Kevo didn't grow up with wrestling. Maybe Dylan did. That seems like a Dylan thing.
2: Wrestling right now is the hottest it's ever been since 1996.
0: I really believe that because wrestling has become so much more inclusive
1: shout out to my mom who loves wrestling bought all of the wwe subscriptions so she can watch it whatever she wants and watches all of the reality shows about the wrestlers
0: i love total divas i was obsessed with tough enough growing up i thought all those dudes were mad hot i rooted for all of them that was the show where they like trained to become wrestlers and join the wrestling world and stuff oh and i love the miz i love the miz he's so hot
2: if you like the miz look up mjf maxwell jacob friedman he is better on the mic than the miz he looks like the is and he's 23. Look him up. Fantastic. He's the next hottest thing. Calling it now. Well,
0: then I think
1: he needs to be the guy that we cast as Guardian. Speaking of Guardian, a lot more of the members of Alpha Flight actually appear here, which makes sense and is much cooler than just one or one and a half. And I'm, that means I'm giving Aurora and I almost want to call him Snowflake,
0: North Star, <laughs> 0.25. Well, I do agree that, yeah, Snowflake is a really good name for North Star here. He is just unlikable to such an extent that's so hard to deal with john paul god damn just get your act together seriously you are not fun until the chuck austin run and then you're great and you're one of only two good things about the chuck austin run it's you and it's sammy the squid boy now mikey i don't know if you read issue 85 as well as issue 84 but jonah actually continued to read and there is resolution to this arc it turns out the arc kind of does that weird 70s 80s marvel thing where alpha flight leaves in the middle of the arc but it's not done did you feel kind of screwed by that in terms of like you had a narrative and it was just ripped away I
2: did I did not continue going just because for the sake of time I thought why am I reading this and like what's happening like this does, does this get resolved and then I asked you and I said are we missing issues Is something going on because then I kept I go- know oh, I did keep going and then once I saw the alpha light wasn't in it I stopped I said I think he gave me the wrong number I thought it might have been just I don't know continue you know at the bottom it says continuing in fantastic four number 255 and it's like oh maybe I just missed it. And I said, no, I was really confused. And then that's when I stopped and I said, I'm going to not get confused for the show.
0: (laughs) I don't blame you. It's such a weird, abrupt ending. It doesn't quite feel like a conclusion. It's so jarring because Alpha Flight was something that was passed around like, well, like North Star at a party until it was time for them to have their own
1: book. Passed around, party bottom, North Star. I think, and this goes into a problem that Marvel team-ups, Marvel 2-in-1s has where time is wasted when the heroes are fighting one another. There's very little reason for Sasquatch to not try to be a little bit nicer to Thing. He comes off much more defensive and aggressive, with oddly enough, two characteristics you might not think go together, but a simple question of, why are you here? It really would have saved a lot more time, and I don't know if that would have resolved the Renard plot of him destroying everything, but also, it really, so much time was wasted that Giant Man and everybody else could have used if they weren't fighting one another because Because Sasquatch couldn't be bothered to ask, hey, you're not from here. Why are you here?
0: Which is disappointing because Sasquatch is so smart. You would think he would have the communication skills to broker something like that. Also, I hope you guys are ready to deal with gods a lot because yeah, Alpha Flight is really overpowered and so they fight gods a lot. Like the Eternals or different kinds of gods? Like Renark, like all the time. Just like more of him. Okay, I know this isn't
2: real, but how does a god coming not trigger, I don't know, a communication to a Avengers Tower, Xavier Institute, literally anybody, the Soviet Union, like, why aren't people launching nuclear weapons at these guys and having the Canadian Avengers just go after them and deal with them? Like, I know they're literally ripping up the tundra and the terrain, and how does this not signal anybody and everybody just goes about their day?
1: Well, at least one part, and I can't speak for the human governments of why there's no intervention there, but at least for the superhero teams, a lot of them tend to be on call already doing something. However, anytime there is an incident, if it's going to be brought up up in one of their titles they will make a reference and say we have this data on file this happened so and so many years ago or blah 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 they should be more call to action from superheroes if they're not already doing something but I also kind of understand if they're already on a mission they can't stop one mission to go do a different mission when you didn't know if a character was getting their own book or going to be part of a team that's already established or whatever you got information about them wherever they just happened to appear at the time I find it so weird that the reveal that Northstar and Aurora are mutants are in a Marvel 2-in-1. That's a pretty big thing, especially in the Marvelverse. I don't know if it really should have gone there. Granted, again, you don't know when you're going to see these characters again and that very pertinent information should be told. I just find it very weird that it was placed there. They honestly could have been two characters once Alpha Flight disbanded. They could have gone over to the X-Men, like I know they possibly will in the future. It was just a very weird timing for me.
2: I agree with you. I think everything you said was spot on. They're going to get their own book and their own series so now they can develop further because when puck was there I was like who is this and and that issue they did not once say his name you know how they usually give you like an intro or like oh this is who he is not once and I said I don't know who this is this is frustrating and then when I jumped ahead for the next episode I, we got the whole who he is and what he does I said oh now I like this character <laughs> so I'm glad that they're gonna get their own book and their own series and I hope that they're not just guest appearances or throw-ins in the D- Specials just to sell books or toys, hoping to see more and looking forward. I think these characters tell another story of the Marvel universe that we don't see and a lot of people aren't going to see because they're not in the movies
0: or in these TV shows. I love that you point out that they really are representing a different side of the Marvel universe. They're not just more of the same. Whether they're the X Men's offbeat cousins, the Avengers' offbeat cousins, or the Defender's weird stepsister's neighbor's cousin's hairdresser's dog sitter, they're still unique and they're different, and there is always room in the Marvel Universe for something different and something unique. Like most of the X-Men's most popular continuity, Alpha Flight can be traced back to the Chris Claremont-John Byrne run. Now, John Byrne takes credit for most of the creation of Alpha Flight. Chris doesn't fight too much. However, John Byrne has had some interesting things to say about the topic. When asked by Tom DeFalco, When we first met the entire Alpha Flight team in X-Men 120, did you consider, wanted, Wolverine Dead or Alive to be the pilot episode for an Alpha Flight series? Byrne replied, I never really intended Alpha Flight to get its own book. That's one of the things I had trouble with when I did Alpha Flight. Even though most of them had been fan characters, they really only existed at that point in my mind as these guys who can survive a fight with the X-Men. That was really all the depth of character or personality they had. So when I came to do Alpha Flight, I spent most of my time shoehorning in anything I could think of that would make them three-dimensional. That's how Northstar got to be gay. I was just looking for anything that would make them interesting characters. DeFalco goes on to ask, When you say they were fan characters, what do you mean? And Byrne said, When I was in my fan days when I was starting to push toward being a pro, I created my own line of comics. I even had a character called Phoenix. I also had Sasquatch and Chinook, as he was called in those days, and Snowbird. Snowbird was actually born in a humor strip I did in college, but she turned into a very different character by the time she became a superhero. I'd been drawing and doodling and playing around with these characters, and the idea being that somehow I was going to publish my own line of Canadian comics. I kept wondering about how I could get Batman to guest star. I'm not even sure what the end of that means. But it really tracks with how frequently we've been saying on this show that it feels like Alpha Fight had very little consistency to the characterization. It's not that they were unwilling to create dynamic characters. It's that nobody was pushing them to create dynamic characters. Oftentimes, these characters appeared, well, out of fan popularity, not out of a desire to continue marketing them. So a lot of our questions in this episode can be answered by that quote from the man who created the characters himself, John Byrne. Once again, Comic Creators on X-Men, a series of interviews compiled by Tom DeFalco, features material from Stan Lee, Roy Thomas, Neil Adams, Dave Cockrum, Chris Claremont, John Byrne, Alan Davis, Louise Simonson, Mark Silvestri, Bob Harris, Scott Lobdell, friend of the pod Chris B., Grant Morrison, and Mark Millar. The information contained in here is tremendous and incredibly useful to piecing together the complicated world that is the X-Men's continuity you And I'm so excited to come back and take a look at Alpha Flight 1 through 6 in our next journey to the Canadian wilderness. And until then, Mikey, where can everybody find you online?
2: Twitter at the 9 as well as you can check out my podcast, Pop Culture Federation at Pop Culture Fed on Twitter. And right now we're on iTunes, but soon expanding to the Android
0: platforms. Oh, can't wait to support that. Definitely shoot us a link and we'll make sure everybody can see that. Jonah, where can everybody find you all over the internet other than on every episode of this show? Refusing to go on a mission until
1: I see my twin sister fighting and losing. And I'm having to think, oh, fine, I'll go. Or you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Jonah Rabino and at jonah.rabino Nico, would you like to tell everybody where they can find you
0: all over the internet and this lovely
1: podcast network?
0: You guys can find me at KidRiotComics.com, making super conclusive superhero stories, or all over this network on shows like HTML, which I do with my husband, Jonah's boyfriend, The Amazing Kevo, where we talk about movie franchises. Don't forget to check out the other feeds of this show, like We Are Krakoa, where we talk about Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X. I'm also all over Instagram at N I C O A C T I O N. And until we return, guys, it's been a blast, and we will see ya. See ya. Have a good day.